It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Golazo, the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, is Manu Ved. Manu, how are you? Oh, it's tired. <laughs> you know, we spoke about this um, off the pod. It's been long, long, long two weeks at this Confederations Cup, and I, I flew straight from the Chile Portugal game um, finished at with penalties, crazy penalties. So went from the game to the hotel, picked up my luggage, hopped on a plane to St. Petersburg at three o'clock in the morning. Arrived in St. Petersburg. Of course, the hotel room wasn't ready, so that was uh, me basically sleeping on a park bench somewhere until I got into the hotel room. But you know what you got to do? Like I was so tired, right? And uh, I was at a coffee shop before and didn't want to get kicked out for, you know, uh, I don't know what the rules are in a coffee shop. Um, do they just give, bring you more coffee when you start passing out because of lack of sleep? Yeah, yeah surely the best uh, sales technique for a coffee shop would just be to wake you up and say, by the looks of things, you need another coffee, right? Um, I suppose if you were in a bar or club, they would kick you out. They would send you home. But um, well, it's, it sounds like uh, you know you recover quite well by sleeping on a park bench. But um, Manu, how, how has your experience at the Confederations Cup been apart from tiring? Yeah, it's been good. Um, you know, the, the the tournament has been for the most part pretty exciting. The we talked about the game last night, of course, and I thought that was the worst game of the tournament. Uh, the the fact that the two best things happened. You know, with only two minutes left in the game, and this is we're talking about 180, 180th minute at this point. So, um, you know, that I thought was a very poor game. But I, for some reason, Portugal and Chile have been two sides that, although they have a lot of talent on the squad, and both have had the aim to win the tournament. Obviously, Portugal are out of that contention now. They haven't really convinced me once, and. Um, that's that's something that I, I thought was really interesting. And um so th- this was really the first game where I really said like, well, this isn't this isn't great at all. But all the other games have been very enjoyable. I mean we've seen some really interesting football. We've seen some very interesting game today, actually. Didn't we, Bryce? Yeah, very much so. I mean, um yeah, th- thankfully it was uh, much more interesting than the game last night. Uh, the the game uh, the game last night was absolutely dreadful, wasn't it? Uh, but we'll we'll not talk about that, and thankfully we don't have to basing ourselves on Mexican football. And yeah, tonight was uh, it, it was very uh, 
Well, it was a disappointing from a from a Mexico perspective, wasn't it? I mean, conceding two early goals meant that uh, the game was almost done before uh, you know before it really got going, and it could have been three nil uh, early doors. Uh, I mean, Mexico have shown character, haven't they? Um, as uh, or throughout the tournament, you know, going down in games and managing to pull themselves back, but. Um, yeah, I mean, you you just you can't come up against the likes of uh, Germany, even if this is a, a bit of a B team, and you know go two 0 down in, in in the first ten minutes. You know, it's it's then just a a mountain to climb, and uh, yeah, that that defense just looks too shaky. Uh, well, constantly, to be honest. I mean, it seems like uh, Mexico are very capable of. Uh, Producing talented uh, forwards, but but really do struggle uh, at the back. And uh, I mean, we've got Moreno, but you know that that that's not enough. And uh, I think it's a real problem in defensive midfield as well. With um, you know Rafa Marquez um, of Atlas, um, you know formerly of Barcelona, and you're a hell of a legend um, in Mexico, and he's achieved a lot in his career, but. You know that the guy's 37, and they're they're still continuing to play him in a defensive midfield, and they they really need to move on and replace him. But I I think they're just struggling for the quality, and I I think that that really plays against them. I mean, Manu, what, what did you think about the game? Um, what 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 would you say um, Mexico can maybe take from this, or, or you know, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing? What you know, what what are the, the the concerning points for them? Yeah. Um... We talked about this game beforehand and um, spoke on how, you know, it's. I, I watched this game obviously as a German thinking um, I would I would like Germany to maybe win this tournament. Um, but on the other hand, you know, I would I haven't been able to see Mexico at this tournament because the way the, the tournament is, is structured, the scheduling work could be based mostly out of Moscow and uh, for two games here in St. Petersburg. It just hasn't worked out. So I, I, Mexico is the one team I haven't seen at this tournament. And then I won't see at this tournament because they're now going to, to Moscow. And that's, that's, uh, that's something I find a little sad. Um, on the other hand, I was also surprised that the, the L3 struggled this much as they did. Because you remember this German side is, it's very experimental. Uh, it's something that we've mentioned on the Gegen Pressing podcast quite a bit. Joachim Löw plays the long game with the national team. The goal is to defend the World Cup and the goal is to develop as many players as possible that can play on this level and uh, can challenge for the World Cup squad. And in a way, I think everyone else in the world has to worry a little bit right now about this because this is Germany's not even Germany's B team it's Germany's B2 team right because the the is another squad that just reached the final and that's the U21 and they um kicked out England and when you when you consider and when you look at that that this is basically the half of the U23 squad and the other half of the U21 squad is uh, at the at the U21 tournament and they've both now reached the final and one of those teams is performing against senior players it's um, it's a scary prospect and the, the fact how easy it was for Germany at times to break down this Mexico side is something that surprised me I, um, I expected the amount of goals, my tip was 3-2 so uh, at least I got the amount of goals right 5 goals, 4-1 um, 
But when Goretzka scored those two early goals, you had a feeling that if Germany had really wanted to, it would have been 4-5-0 really quickly, really early on. And I think the reason for that was that um, Mexico was just pressing up too high and Germany had the absolute control over the midfield. And that's something that that 3-5-2 system that Germany uses allows them to, when they play against teams that have three midfielders, they take absolute control over that, that midfield. And Mexico just caught out and got caught out. And I think that is something that Osario just got wrong. And he got it heavily wrong. I mean, Bryce, Marco Fabian wasn't playing. Yeah, I found this this very surprising. I thought Marco Fabian. Uh, I mean, we we talk about you know him uh, quite regularly on the Gag and Pressing Art podcast, and you know he's, he's such a talent, isn't he? You know, and he can uh, really uh, you know he he can win a game for you. And he can create goals, create chances. You know, and he's a he's a he's a powerful player, isn't he? I, and I thought he he would have been played because he he would have been out to prove a point against uh, the Germans. He obviously plays for Frankfurt, um, but no, he, he he didn't come on till later on. And I mean, we just seen how good he is. I mean, some people question um, you know that you know, obviously he plays very well for Frankfurt, but that he possibly can't re- you know, reproduce that for for the national side, and he hasn't been as good for them, but. I mean, then a moment pops up like tonight, and he scores from, you know, what thirty-five yards with an absolute, you know, thunderbolt of an effort. And you just say, why wasn't this guy on, you know, from the start? You know, I'm just a bit baffled. Yeah, especially because Guardado was missing, right? And you almost think that you need some someone that can bring that poise, the the combination of technical ability, but also being a little bit mean spirited at times. To just stand up against the the German midfield a little bit, because when you look at uh, Germany's defense, there is some pretty big guys in there, and of course Marco Fabian is a pretty dainty figure too. He's not a big guy, but he's not worried about going against guys like that, and you just wonder if that's something that was lacking. And um, well, that's it. There's a bit of fight about him. He's he's got that yeah. almost low center of gravity, and he's quite stocky, isn't he? And you know, we've we've seen him really get involved and not be afraid, you know, to to commit, you know, in in the Bundesliga. And I totally agree. I think they needed someone like that to uh, to kind of ruffle the the German defense, and they just didn't seem to have that at all tonight, did they? No, I absolutely they didn't. And it's it's. An- interesting too because they had a very difficult game against uh, Russia on match day three of the group stage against the hosts and the hosts needed to win this game to go through and Mexico came from behind to win that game in Kazan and um, it makes you almost wonder if that game maybe took out a bit too much out of L3 and the fact of course that Guadrado was missing is, is another factor and then there's travel I am um, Germany had the major advantage that they played their match day three match in Sochi and then got to stay down there for the um the, the semifinal. And I think that helps quite a bit because it's it's long flights. I mean I, I got on on the flight right after the game, right? And it's exhausting. And I didn't even play a game. I just got to report there. And of course they have bigger flights. We sent you guys the picture of um, Portugal's plane that was standing on the tarmac in Kazan. And, you know, they're, they're basically like 
the planes of presidents. You know, they're they're very well staffed and it, and they make sure that the players have the time to regenerate. But it's still a flight. You know, it's still you sitting in a flight and still you traveling and and Russia is a is a big country. You know, I mean, I live in in North America and we're talking dimensions that are North American here. And then there is climate. You know, you you travel from the Republic of Tatarstan where we had 25 to 30 degrees and rain showers, which means the humidity was was enormous. And then you drive down to Sochi, which is so which is subtropical, right? So you have just humidity, but you also have the, that sea breeze on top of it. And um, it's of course the Mexican team should be used to this from their own travel and their own big country. But I think it's just a completely different ball game. And if you then add an extra flight to that, that's I can see that giving Germany quite an advantage. But that said, it's it's for me it was also just quality. The the German national team, and I'm sure we'll discuss this in depth on the Game Pressing podcast after they were on the final tonight. But um, they're just really deep, aren't they, Bryce? Yeah, that's it. I mean, I mean, you you look at you know the the German side that they they came up against. Uh, a lot of people saying that you know it's uh, it's their B team that they faced. I mean, their A team won the World Cup, and you know the, I, I think you you send a uh, your know, picture over of the players missing, and I mean the players the missing from that team is just phenomenal. But their B team, you know, the they've still got so much quality in that side I mean we we look at Timo Werner you know for uh, RB Leipzig I mean 21 goals this season and you know, we, we were lucky enough to to see him uh, play and you know, score some fantastic goals against uh, Bayern Munich uh, just towards the end of the season and it, it, there's just there's so much talent there and you know Werner was uh, picking out Goretzka you know with some sublime passes and it, they just have so much strength and depth and uh, quality there um, I mean you, you look at uh, this so called B team and I mean most of the teams in the world would love that to be their A team you know and yeah I, I think they, you, you possibly you know are right in saying that your know, travel could play a factor. I mean, we're not looking for excuses here, but you know, um, Osario, you know, he, he, he rotated the side quite a lot, um, citing that you know he wanted to keep players fit and uh, well rested, and and you know maybe, maybe that was his downfall that he rotated too much, um, that there wasn't consistency. But maybe you he sees stuff that we don't, and uh, maybe his side were looking a bit fatigued, a little bit tired, and. You know, maybe it got the better of them. I mean, the Germany were the better side on on the night, and you know the scoreline reflects that. And so you know, we can't really argue that. But you know, maybe there were factors in it being as one sided as as it was. Um, you mentioned uh, as well that the uh, midfield uh, weren't really well existing for uh, Mexico, man. Yeah. So some people have been saying that you know the the, the defensive lines you know, were a little bit too deep and therefore you know they they weren't um, close enough to the German attacking line to uh, to close them down quick enough. Uh, do you think that it, it, this was a problem? Uh, and if so, do you think they were set up like this because they feared the uh, the pace of somebody like uh, Timo Werner? It's funny, I did the onefootball.com video preview which you can find on YouTube and I said that with with in mind that I'm watching both Bundesliga and Liga MX probably way too much for my own good. Um I said that Germany would have to press against the Mexicans and, you know, run run against that 
defensive line uh, excessively. Um, and they did just that, you know. They, they kept running um, at that defensive line, and Mexico really struggled. And of course, then when Germany went up by two goals, it, it felt that the Germans would just absorb the pressure and use those fast counter-attacking players to to overrun the Mexican defense. And that, that's um, one thing I've noticed is almost lack of speed in that midfield a little bit. And that's maybe, um, you know, where they have that on the very top, they have that, but they don't lack, they kind of lack it in the, in the center of the park. And um, that athletic ability just isn't, isn't there. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, um, I think maybe this is, a, this is a bit of an awakening moment for them that they just have to realize that although they have a talented side, they're not a top world-class side. And I think when you talk to Mexican journalists, they kind of realize that. But, you know, given the size of the country and the popularity of the sport, it's, it's a bit surprising. And when you when you look at back in the history, I mean, there was that Copa America Centenario quarterfinal against Chile that they lost 7-0. And that is, you know, a year after they play against another top side and they get smashed again. And I think that's something that Mexican football maybe needs to look at and see and not only we're producing good players, um, we, we have a strong league, but for some odd reason, we're not able to perform on a top level that we should given our population base, given our history of the sport, given our strength of our league. We're not, we're not able to reproduce that on the international level. And there's reasons for that, and there's very good reasons for that. And may think that the fact that they're playing in a very, very weak CONCACAF uh, group, you know, where the they HEX is a very easy place to qualify for the World Cup, the fact that there is not very much competition for Liga MX, and, you know, Major League Soccer is growing, but it's, it's by no means um, a competition they don't have. Their club teams don't play regularly against international teams from other leagues, and Therefore, you know, it, Mexican football, we, we both love it because it's the short season and it's very competitive and all that. But it's it kind of it's kind of in its own bubble, right? Which um, can be great because it, it allows you to grow your own, own product in a way that makes it exciting to look. But it, it also means that you don't, because you don't get challenged on a regular basis, you kind of do develop it in your own way, which means it's not necessarily compatible. Compatible with um, getting results on the international level. Oh, what would you feel that the uh, at a club level would be best uh, done? Do you think that there needs to be more of a competition? Um, obviously, from from the MLS because um, uh, Liga Liga MX um, clubs are, are a step above them currently. But do you think there needs to be more of an international um, competition where they can take on? South American sides as well uh, on a more regular basis and you know maybe just you know they're going to come up against uh, different uh, opponents which will test them in, in different ways rather than beating the MLS sides um, or, or or what do you think the answer is do you think uh, the young players need to just get to Europe quicker uh, I mean th- this probably leads on to another question now I was going to ask so in um, Giovanni uh, Dos Santos and Carlos Vela I mean these are players that you know um Many years ago, we we said, you know, God, they're going to be a hell of a talent going forward. They're they're going to be world beaters. 
and it, it just feels like it hasn't really happened for them. I mean, someone might argue and say they've had solid enough careers, and sure, you know, they've had careers that you know I and many uh, you know many footballers out there we would have loved to have had. But you know, for the for the hype that was around them originally, uh, it it maybe hasn't come off as well. And, and do you think that you know Mexican players then maybe have a reputation of not travelling well around uh, the world when when they do move? Uh, and what what is that down to? I mean, is 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 that something that can be done at a club level as well? Well, there's a lot of good questions. <laughs> Maybe too many. I, no, it's. Uh, I think you know when they were in the Copa Libertadores, that was a good solution for them because it pitted them against the the teams from the southern half of the continent. And I think that is in general the solution for growing the game uh, in the Americas is to in one way or another, merge North and South competitions. Uh, another way is to, I mean, MLS is very much growing in its own bubble too. That's something that I've, I've spoken about before, is to ensure that those two leagues maybe compete against each other more often. Players moving abroad, I mean, this is um, something quite contentious because it is happening more now. And I think that is something that does need to happen. That has been the basis of success for the, for countries like Argentina and Brazil that have, in very many, many ways, a similar history to Liga MX and uh, Mexican football. But I think I think that there's a danger in that too, because the the byproduct of that, of course, was that Mexican, the Brazilian football, and Argentinian football, the league football has suffered enormously because all the best talents have moved. So it's a fine line that you need to walk between keeping your talent domestically and selling it so that it can develop and be outside that bubble. And the way you do that is, of course, you know, you make it a big a bit of a mix. I mean, there's, there's countless examples of national teams that have done well, even though they don't have tons of players playing abroad. But then the, these leagues that they come from, they usually tend to be very strong competitions. So you need to grow your league. Um, you need to make your league be challenged more often. And you either do that play playing against MLS or you try to get back into Copa Libertadores or you create new club competitions. And Mexican football is quite strong, has a strong um, strong position in CONCACAF. So I think that that is really what they need to look at is how can we ensure that the that the regional competitions are around us better and how can we make regional competitions that forces our clubs to think a little bit outside the bubble so that we can on the same level than the likes of Brazil, Argentina, Germany, Italy and Spain, um, you know, that have produced strong leagues, strong national teams and um are able to do so because you know they get challenged by the neighbors on a regular on a, on a regular basis. So I think this is really the, what they need to find because when you look at the population base, I believe Mexico has 120 million people, and um, the when you look at the infrastructure of the clubs, the, the infrastructure that the clubs have, you know, the big teams like Club America, Pachuca, Tigres, um, Chivas. They're basically big European sides. It's just they just don't get to to challenged enough to to think a little bit outside the bubble. And I think that's really the the answer here. Yeah, I th- I, I totally agree. I th- I think they need to be playing uh, internationally uh, a little bit more, or you know, and to have some type of uh, 
competition set up here with the whole of America would um, you know, may logistically be uh, you know, a, a bit of a nightmare. I th- I think it would only do uh, you know clubs like the Liga MX you know some benefits uh, to a degree as well. Uh, I mean we we've seen uh, in Europe uh, for example you know that you know teams doing well uh, in in the European competition like the Champions League you know generally you know, that means that their leagues are stronger you know and. You know, it's most of the time. Then I suppose it correlates into then the international side being stronger as well. Um, either that, or you've just got more money to buy everyone, I suppose. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So, so obviously uh, that means that Mexico, unfortunately, uh, crash out. Uh, you were too dumbly. They still got a game though. Yeah, that's right. They've got, in fact, Mexico, which we'll get to, have two games on Sunday. Uh, how that's possible, uh, we'll explain. Very shortly, but um, yes, they're going to be coming up against uh, Portugal, and I believe uh, Cristiano Ronaldo has uh, decided to go home, hasn't he? Oh wow, this is news to me. I just heard about that. I guess I was uh, stuck in the fans for so long. Um, that's what I heard. Online. Well, we'll not take that as concrete news, but yeah, that that's that's what I'm pretty sure I heard uh, earlier today that um, he had decided to go home, and maybe um, after a long season, he thinks. A third, fourth playoff in the Confederation Cup. That would explain the baby picture he posted, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah right? that, that's, that's probably it, right? With, uh... So um, I, I would say that, yeah, probably him and uh, probably Real Madrid as well are probably happy enough, uh, and his child, um, mm. are probably happy enough. Uh, that yeah, that well, leaves, I mean, so, yeah, it's hard to blame him. Um, I mean, it's it's a tournament that isn't, Loved by everyone. It's especially uh, Europeans. I mean, a test run to the World Cup. Yeah, it's, and then he is. This is this is yeah, especially the Europeans. And I think you know having this third place final is a little bit of a joke at this tournament, to be quite honest, because it's only eight teams, right? You don't necessarily need a bronze medal match. No, exactly. I I don't think you. I don't think they really need it either. Uh, I suppose they'd like to uh, be able to say, you know, people got your know, first, second, third, and fourth. Um, but yeah, it's it's a bit of a wooden spoon match, really, isn't it? Uh, though I, it, in saying this, I mean, um, obviously uh, Ronaldo's went home. Uh, Portugal will be there. Uh, we seen them play last night, lose on penalties to uh, Chile. Uh, they they didn't look very good, but neither did Chile really. Um, how seriously do you think uh, the teams will take it? And if, um, well, if Mexico were to uh, come out of it as uh, victors uh, and they were to uh, you know, finish the competition in third place, w- would this be seen as a, as a good tournament for Osario? Um, or would you say that's not particularly? Well, I think they wanted to win it. And, um, uh, you know, the, I think that was in some ways the a little bit the, the expectations because they thought that the Europeans wouldn't take as serious. I think a good chance that um, there's a good chance that the uh, Portuguese won't take this this game very seriously. I mean Cristiano Ronaldo went home. Uh, I think that says a lot. And um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if Mexico win this third place game, but it's uh, it's funny that we even. I personally think I personally am against it. I'm I'm glad they don't have it at the Euros, and I think that you know that third place game, no one really wants to play it. Play it, so um, it would be good to just get rid of it. And 
you know, focus on the final. And it's, it's going to be a magnificent final here at the Krestovsky Stadium. Um, I was out and about today and it's, you know, I, I came home from um, doing the, the match reporting for this uh, from the public viewing because I did some filming also for one football and it's almost midnight and the sun is still up, right? And it's it's a beautiful time of the year right now. And I think it's going to be a magnificent final at the Krestovsky on Sunday. And I think it would be just great to just focus on that rather than having that other game at 3 p.m. on that same day. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think I think the the tournament's all going to be about the final now, isn't it? Um, nobody's really going to care about this apart from maybe a maybe a few um, L3 uh, fans. Maybe uh, I can't imagine that the the Portuguese are going to be uh, too worried about uh, what way it goes either. But um, so we did mention that uh, Mexico um, are are playing a. Different games at, at similar times, and uh, I, I hear you asked uh, possibly um, how is this possible? And, and the thing is, they're actually yes, they're in the Confederations Cup, but they're also playing in the Concacaf Gold Cup as well. So um, I, I mean, it's it begins this weekend. Obviously, I'm based in Europe. Um, you know, uh, I've never lived outside of uh, Europe, and so the Gold Cup is. Um, Something I don't know much about, if I'm if I'm honest. Some of our viewers will know it, I'm sure, or listeners. Uh, but Manu, could you possibly explain to the listeners that are maybe based in Europe or other parts of the world that aren't familiar with the Gold Cup, what, what exactly it is? So the Gold Cup is the regional competition for the for Concacaf, and Concacaf is the governing body for the Caribbeans. And uh, North America, now a lot of people say, hold on, North America is only Canada and the United States. Well, it's a bit more complicated than that because it also includes um, Central America, right? And that would be Mexico, Panama, Nicaragua, Honduras, El Salvador, Belize, I'm sure I'm forgetting someone, Guatemala, and, um, you know, and then various Caribbean islands, etc., that all have national teams. So basically, these countries play out a regional championship and um, the Gold Cup is therefore the, you know, the equivalent of the European championships or the equivalent of the African championships or the Asian championships. And uh, it's, it's by a play by weekly, by yearly. And um, it's, it's an interesting competition because it's always held in the United States and it's not always a competition that has the best quality. And depending on, what kind of tournaments are taking place at the same time teams don't always send their best squads um 2015 i believe when it took place last time mexico also competed at the um the um coba america down in uh, down in south america because the coba america or they often invite teams from from outside of the uh, Commonwealth, and Mexico was the, the team this time, which meant there was a similar situation at this time that they had some players play two tournaments. And um, it's basically the same too. And uh, Mexico highly prioritized the, the Confederations Cup over the Gold Cup. But I mean, we saw the list today, Bryce, right? There's 40 players on that list. Yeah, absolutely huge squad, isn't there? And you almost think when you've sent one squad to a competition, how do you even come up with another 40 players? But uh, there, there are a few players uh, overlapping, aren't there? Jürgen Dam being uh, one of them. And 
And yeah, the, more or less, what we've uh, we've kind of done a bit of research uh, on this because um, obviously, why would you include a player in uh, two competitions when they overlap? Uh, you might be thinking, yeah, in case uh, they fell out early in the Confederations Cup or whatever. But it turns out in the uh, Gold Cup uh, on this occasion, uh, you have forty man uh, squad, uh, forty names down, and then you go into the competition with a twenty three man roster. After the group stages, though, you're allowed to swap six of your players. Uh, so that would mean that some of the uh, Confederation players, once they've returned, uh, would be able to join up. And Jurgen Dam being one of them, for example. Um, yeah, they'd be able to, to swap them in. Uh, Osario has also said that uh, as soon as the Confederations Cup is over, he will be flying over and uh, and taking charge as, uh, as assistant manager. Is uh, just uh, covering at the moment. So... And They've got Paraguay in a friendly uh, in the next few days. Actually, on uh, on the second being on Saturday, isn't that when the third place game? Is no, they they're both on Sunday. Oh, Sunday. So sorry, my mm. bad. Get my days mixed up, eh? Uh, but uh, yeah, they're going to play uh, Portugal and Paraguay on the same day. Uh, very different times. Uh, so uh, where I'm based in the UK, it'll be one thirty in the morning for uh, the Paraguay game, <laughs> and then it'll be one p.m. Uh, they'll play uh, Portugal. But uh, the Gold Cup doesn't start until the, the t- isn't it Monday? I think Monday the ninth, uh, I believe. Mm. And um, oh no, I'm getting I'm getting all. No, that's days. correct. Is that that's- right? I think that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So so then, um, yeah, they're they're playing on the uh, the second uh, the second day of that. So um, yeah, I mean, uh, d- d- would would you see them being expected to to win this Manu? Um, if not, who who else is really going to compete? The the USA. Um, who who are the big names? They they played Jamaica pr- previously in the final, didn't they? Mexico played Jamaica, yeah, um, because the Jamaica um, surprised the United States and kicked them out of the semifinal. But yeah, essentially it will be the United States and Mexico that are the, the main uh, candidates for this. Um, another strong country in this tournament is Costa Rica, simply because they have a strong generation of players right now. So that's someone I, I would watch out for. And it's, it's a good country to scout for very interesting talents. Um, the Some of other countries that you know do quite well in this are uh, Honduras. Um, that can be a nasty opposition to play against. Panama at times. Um, they did quite well when they, the US, US went down there for a World Cup qualifier. Can be a difficult opposition as well. So the, the Latin American countries, the Central American countries, the, the smaller ones, they go through golden generations. And um, there's quite a bit of fluctuation between players coming in and out of their squads. So that's something that they have to deal with. But in a sense, you know, Mexico and the United States, they could play both there with their B squads and still be favorites to win it. Um so, you know, that's the, the two countries that we have to look out for. And then finals in San Francisco. Um, and, you know, I expect unless they get drawn against each other earlier on, which I don't think they can, um, that they will be playing against each other in the final. Yeah, I, th- I think you would expect that. If you're a betting man, that's probably what you would put money on. Uh, wouldn't you? I did just uh, very briefly. Um, obviously, Manu, uh, you're in Russia at the moment. You're from Germany, but you actually live in Canada 
Well, why have you not said that they might be a, a possible contender? They have actually won it. Um, 2000, Cat- wasn't it? Yeah, and that was you know a, a squad that we thought a lot of Canadians thought could go on and maybe qualify for the World Cup at some point. But you make actually an interesting point because there is a lot of young, good players in the Canadian squad right now. Um, Alfonso Davis is one of them who recently, um, he's a, he's a refugee family from, I believe, Liberia. And uh, he came at a very young age in Canada, but he recently got his full Canadian citizenship. He was, um, a landed immigrant, as we call him, and therefore eligible to play for youth sites. And, um, he recently uh, completed his citizenship test. He's now a full citizen of Canada. So uh, congrats, Alfonso. And he's considered actually the biggest talent of Major League Soccer right now. And he will be at this tournament. And then there's uh, um, Larin, who plays at Orlando. He's a young striker who has been linked with several Bundesliga teams. He's always Canadian. Um, another player that I would look out for. So, you know, the Canada side is actually considerably okay uh, right now there is a lot of young players in that squad that are quite interesting um so i wouldn't be i th- i think we would be all negatively surprised if they wouldn't make it out of the group stage let's say it that way yeah very good well at least there'll be something for you to cheer on as well as uh mexico obviously but um yeah, um, it'll be an interesting, uh, interesting summer and a long summer for uh, some of the players uh, of Mexico and for Sario. Um, just before we uh, we move on, uh, move away from maybe El Tre a little bit. Um, what do you think um, Osario maybe needs to do or work on? Because uh, he's obviously got a year to the World Cup. Is is there any areas on the field that you've seen or any? tactics that he needs to work on or you what what do you think needs to be done he needs to be he needs to sort of shut the shop in midfield you know this young young and dynamic german side what they did today to mexico was um seemed easy at times and that's without uziel tony gross you know thomas Müller. Uh, the list just keeps going. Jerome Boateng, Mats Hummels, Manuel Neuer. Um, they were all missing. Now, or Marco Reus, you know, was injured, of course, with a nasty ACL. Playing against teams like that, they need to get better and they need to do it by, um, maybe move away from Liga MX tactics a little bit and, um, get more dominance in midfield so that they don't um, get overrun as easily. And I think that is really the number one aspect that L3 need to work on before the World Cup, because in the World Cup, they're going to face countries like Germany all the time. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think uh, Osario needs to uh, start to pick a more consistent side. I mean, obviously, the midfield was a bit of an issue. I mean, New Zealand is a side that, you know, they, they really should have you know put quite a few past. Uh, but... Yeah, they, they more or less played, you know, with uh, with no central midfielders, and you know, it, it New Zealand were were fit to, you know, take them on and had enough chances to win that game, and that should not be the case. I know they rotated players, but you know, even with rotating players, you know, you should still play sufficient central midfielders to kind of uh, see you through the game, and that that's completely where they lost it. Um, I think that that was disappointing, uh, uh, frustrating. I think a lot of the uh, Mexican uh, fans were a little bit a uh, 
little bit disappointed at just his setup at times and so i think he needs to obviously work on that setup but then a bit of consistency as well i'm hearing a few people that would have watched el Trey a little bit closer than myself and they're suggesting that they can't recall him ever playing the same two starting lineups and you know mm-hmm. without that consistency i mean it's it's always going to be um hard you know, for the players to get to know each other especially as an international manager you know you, you don't get much time with your players anyway you know and I, I think that that's always going to be a, something that I'll but we'll let him let him down to a degree. Um, but just like to say that on a, on a positive note, uh, going into the uh, the German game, uh, Mexico had come behind from behind in all of their games, uh, so that I suppose shows a bit of character. They had more possession than anyone else in the competition, uh, and also I think they were were they first or maybe maybe it was second actually I was reading uh, off the, this is off the top of my head on uh, the shots on target and actually um, tonight uh, they had more possession than Germany once again and uh, had quite a few shots so maybe these can be seen as uh, positives but certainly the 4-1 scoreline would not be I think uh, but we'll, we'll move on uh, I think and we're going to talk about uh, individuals uh, more so now uh, towards the end of the uh, pod I mean a, a big bit of news uh, this week was uh, we finally seen uh, Chucky Lozano, um, a hell of a talent, uh, a fantastic 21-year-old, um, lively character uh, in the you know, in in the Liga MX uh, this, this last season. We've spoke about him a lot. Kind of a left-sided uh, attacking player, likes to run at people, and he was the he was the most fouled player in the league this year. You know that's how troublesome he was for defenders. Has managed to um, make a move to Europe, and he, he signed for a PSV. Uh, Man, it was just the last pod that we were saying that um, Liga MX uh, style and Liga MX players would, would probably benefit from a move to uh, the Bundesliga or or you know Eredivisie and I see this as a a fantastic move for him and a fantastic move for PSV because he he was a wanted man and they seem to have got a a good deal in uh, 8 million euros there Um, how how do you see the deal and do you see this as a good move for a player on club I think this is an excellent you know we suspected Celta Vigo last week I think when we talked right because the Pashuka has that um development deal with them but PSV it is I guess they took the money that they got from selling Hector Moreno to um, to Roma and invested it straight into the next Mexican and Eindhoven have a good history Guadrado of course is there as well with Mexicans and I think this is a fantastic move to be honest I think this is this is something that's going to really work for him and it's something that's going to um, in the, the long run uh, really help his career. Dutch football is very good in taking players from Latin America and developing to the next step. Um, not just Mexicans, also Brazilians and Argentinians and um, after all, you know, Ronaldo and I mean the real Ronaldo started his career at PSV Eindhoven in Europe. So I, I think this is a fantastic move for him. Yeah, that's it. I, I think even if he was to stay at PSV, you know, he could have a, you know, a, a fantastic uh, career in the league and, um, and get to appear in European competitions as well, which which would be fantastic for him and, and also great for, you know, for the Mexican national side. But um, also, I, I think going to Eredivisie and going to a club like PSV could also be um, a fantastic stepping stone for him to then go on after a few years at like Ronaldo did. Um, I mean, you see 
players like Luis Suarez as well. He spent time in, you know, at Eredivisie Premiership, and now he's at Barcelona. You know, so um, I said Premiership again, didn't I? I get told off by Premier League. Premier <laughs> oh, League Chris is prize. Chris is not going to be impressed with that. No, no. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, we're giving the editor a bit of work here to do, maybe. <laughs> but um, yeah, as I was saying. Uh, I think it could be a good stepping stone, um, you know, if he was to develop a little further. And um, yeah, go on. We could see him in in the Premier League, or we could see him in Bundesliga, or, or possibly uh, you know La, La Liga at some stage. He he definitely has enough potential. Uh, I think he just needs to uh, work on a few parts of his game, uh, develop a little bit further. And I think I think PSV is going to be a great place for that to happen. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm I'm excited to see how he gets on next season. Yeah, I think I I'm pretty sure we'll be tuning in. It, to be honest, it would have been nicer if he had a sign for a Bundesliga club because then it would make it easier. Now we've got to branch into a third league, haven't we? So, oh well. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, talking of uh, Bundesliga and uh, players that uh, may be on the move, uh, Chicharito is uh, a player that we've talked about for quite some time on the uh, Gegenpressing podcast. Uh, he's obviously had a bit of a troublesome time at Bayer Leverkusen. We originally thought that it was probably just when Roger Smith was there, uh, and then the coach left. Uh, well, was asked to leave, and yeah, we th- we thought that he was then going to get more of an opportunity, but it didn't really seem to happen. Um, we obviously know, um, you know, being Bundesliga fans and admirers. Uh, but also being a you know Liga MX and uh, Mexican football fan, said you know Chicharito is a hell of a talent. He, he's a fantastic striker, a striker that most squads would be happy to have. Um, not just from a marketing point of view, because you know that's a hell of a pull as well. But he he's a great you know, goal scorer, um, a record goal scorer for Mexico. Um, I mean, it, it it seems like he's being linked to uh, the LA clubs now, doesn't he? Uh, LA Galaxy or or LAFC. Um, Manu, do, do you see him making a move to MLS and do you think that this is maybe the right time in his career to move uh, across the Atlantic? I mean, my personal opinion would have been I think he should stay in Europe for at least an, another few seasons and give that a go because he, he's good enough, you know? And that's no disrespect to MLS. Yeah, I would go along with that. I think it's too early to go to MLS. Um, I think you get these MLS rumors quite a bit. And the the obvious ones are the two LA clubs. Of course, LAFC, they're starting. They used to be Chivas, and then Chivas went bankrupt, and the, the brand got discontinued, and it's now being rebranded and reestablished as LAFC. As, um, those two clubs make sense because of the large Mexican population. Um, Giovanni Dos Santos is already at LA Galaxy. And... Um, you know, they have done quite well attracting the fam, uh, Latin fan base because of these players. Now, MLS, an MLS move is not always easy. Um, a club needs to hold the discovery rights of a player in order to sign that player. And uh, that's the question. Did LA Galaxy, do they have the discovery rights or not? Um, we don't know necessarily. The same is true, of course, um, with LAFC. So that's something that that I have to look a bit more into. But those are the two clubs that get mentioned on a quite frequent basis. With LAFC, there was uh, a rumor 
that that deal was basically done. Now, the problem with LAFC is diverse ownership and ownership that doesn't necessarily operate in football on a regular basis and um, therefore likes to maybe, you know, drop names and candidates, etc., to more casually to sports press in LA. And that's how names like that get leaked easily. And um, so LAFC has been one linked now we know that Slatan Ibrahimovic is linked to both clubs too, and I think that's that's an important one. LA, the MLS salary cap, well, means that clubs will not be able to afford both, and um, that's really, I think, how it's going to go down. But you know, I, I struggle with LA Galaxy seeing that move happening because the salary cap world makes it would have make it really difficult, and uh, they have been very happy linked with Ibrahimovic so I, I can't really see that move and then LAFC my problem with that move is that the club doesn't currently exist and doesn't really start playing till March so they would have to buy him now and buy they would have to buy him right they wouldn't be able to sign him on a free or they um, they would have to buy him and then loan him out to someone so he can play so I, I kind of still struggle seeing this happening I wouldn't even be at this point surprised if he stays at Leverkusen maybe or moves to a different Bundesliga team. I think that's something that's still very much in the development phase. Yeah, it's it's, it's tough to know where he may end up. Uh, so what, did you say that he, you think that he will move away from uh, Bayer Leverkusen? Well, I think that's not 100% yet. Um, we'll, we'll see. I know he's on one of the players that get frequently mentioned as the players being sold. Leverkusen is a club very much in flux right now. Something that we'll likely go into more detail on, on Sunday when we do the gegenpressing podcast. But I think uh, it's certainly possible that he stays, but it's also very possible that he's going to get sold this summer. And, you know, sold this summer means that someone will have to come up with a relatively big price tag and uh, move them right away. And the the thing is, I don't think LA Galaxy have the salary cap right now. Plus, they're more interested in bringing in uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And LAFC don't exist yet. Like They can sign players, but if they buy him now, they would have to loan him out till next March. Yeah, it's a bit of a tricky one. So, you know, I've, I've, as you said, I just don't really see either really happening if if i'm honest um there there has been links with uh, him going uh, and playing with uh, Ligue 1 sides and i would see that being uh, more realistic at at this point um one because i'd imagine they want to stay in europe a, a little bit longer uh, even though the money at one of the american clubs might be very handsome if they could get the salary cap around it but um, he would still be able to stay in Europe, um, maybe at a higher level, uh, and yeah, he's, he's going to be a great signing for whoever he uh, goes to if he goes. Uh, I mean, as Bundesliga fans, you and I would probably like him to stay in the Bundesliga, wouldn't we? We we enjoy uh, watching him, and we know how good he is. Um, whether that's with Leverkusen, I don't know. Maybe we could start some rumors on the gag and pressing pod. Eh? No, we're not into that. We're only into no. the truth, eh? No, rumor makers can play football manager. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And right, silly uh, 
articles and tweets, eh? But yeah. enough of that. Um, well, a, a man that had been mentioned. Uh, one, this is just the last thing we'll we'll touch on. Um, a man that had also been linked with a few moves to uh, the likes of Europe and um, away from uh, Liga MX was Jurgen Dam. Uh, I, I've seen seen parts of him at the. Uh, I mean, we see we've seen quite a lot of him in Liga MX, but we've seen uh, parts of him in the uh, Confederation Cup as well from Mexico, and he he is lightning fast lightning fast but the final product is just a little bit poor he, he seems to like to uh, dance uh, around defenders and uh, hold on to the ball a little bit too long and uh, we're not seeing so much talk about him moving now and maybe maybe just uh, they they think he's too much of a raw talent I mean the guy is 24 as well if he if he was 18 19 20 maybe someone would think that they could uh, you know, maybe get the best out of him and maybe hone that talent. But um, do do you see him moving, or do, have you heard of it, any moves for him, or, or do you think um, while while he's on international duty, that uh, probably all those have been put on hold? I mean, the Liga MX, uh, you know, competition starts up again. You know, at, at the end of July, um, mm. there's not going to be very much time between uh, international competitions and the start of the season for him to possibly go, right? Unless obviously he goes a few weeks in, I suppose the the European transfer market's going to be open for a while. Yeah, he's going to be expensive. I think Tigres paid fifteen million dollars for him when they brought him in, and then he's on a very well paid contract, and then they don't pay very many taxes in Mexican football. So those are all obstacles. Um, and then there's the fact, you know, Marco Fabian was 26, I think, when they moved when he moved abroad. That seems to be the the age when most of them like to go. Uh, they like to wait a little bit longer. And I could see that with him. Uh, you're right; he's 24. He's technically not a young talent anymore, but we still view him that way uh, because there is something about him that hasn't been really quite, you know, uh, identified how to use it the best way. So it reminds me a little bit, not saying that they're the same player because they're not, but it reminds me a little bit of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, you know, whose speed they didn't really quite knew how to use. And then both he went to Borussia Dortmund and they moved him from the wing to the center and all, all of a sudden there was, right? He would bang in the goals. And um, maybe that's just what he needs. He needs a change of scenery and a coach that can just tell him, this is the best way for you to play football. And... um make that next step and I think you know he has spoken that he wants to make the next step um, I think they they clocked him at 35 kilometers an hour as a fastest player on earth I, I think I, th I think a lot of players a lot of clubs can make good use out of that to be quite frank and he has German citizenship so that makes it easy for him to move to Europe yeah most certainly I suppose his price tag might be the the only uh, sticking point. I mean, I'm just uh, quickly looked at his stats here. I mean, I mean, last season, you know, you know, both both sides of the uh, the uh, the both competitions, the side of Christmas, uh, he was involved in 34 games, uh, five goals and, and seven assists or four assists. You know, that's nine goals he's he's contributed uh, one way or another. I mean, it's it's not a bad stat in, in 34 games, but no. I I think. I think the thing is, we just know that how good he can be, and if he, um, yeah, I, to repeat myself, if he honed that potential, I think that there's a lot more goals uh, through assists or putting them in the back of the nets to come from him. 
Um, he just uh, maybe needs to find the right club or the right coach, um, as you mm. said. You know, it, it could be an interesting summer for him anyway. But, um, yeah, check out the uh, Gold Cup. I, I'd imagine that he will be joining that squad um, uh, probably after the group stages. But, um, yeah, I think that more or less uh, covers it all today. We've covered the Confederations Cup, the Gold Cup. We explained what it was. Um, Chucky, obviously, Chicharito and Jurgen Dam. Uh, I mean, we're edging closer and closer to the Liga MX uh, <laughs> campaign coming back. Uh, I know you and I are quite excited about it. Um, it's about time. Yeah, that, that's it. You know, I'm missing my late, you know, Friday and Saturday nights, uh, or you know, um, one eye uh, on the the keg and pressing uh, podcast, and one eye on the final Liga MX game of the weekend. That seemed to happen all too often. So as it ends, we go. Did you see that goal? Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yes, um, it's only another few weeks ago. Uh, to go and obviously we'll be reporting uh, before that but then really getting stuck into it then um, Manu we, we haven't heard um, what's going to be now your famous uh, tagline on this this podcast are we going to go out on that Golazo <laughs> there we go thanks for tuning in and we'll be back uh, very soon <laughs> natural healthy looking shine and voluminous curls and waves that make you look like you just stepped out of a salon it's easy with conair jumbo and super jumbo hot rollers these 12 ceramic flocked rollers heat up in just 85 seconds and because they're infused with ceramic they transfer heat evenly for big bouncy long-lasting curls twice the flocking of competitive products means more heat protection wire clips ensure a secure hold makes a great gift for yourself or someone special go to conair.com for jumbo and super jumbo hot rollers now it wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy right Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.